0: Welcome to As It Comes, live from a musician's point of view. I'm Davina, I'm a freelance cellist based in London, and it's officially been over a year since lockdown began here in the UK. Since then, I've produced 27 podcast episodes, and while I've gone used to Zoom and Skype calls being the new way to include guests, I'm grateful that I've been able to keep making this podcast during the pandemic. Back in the day, I'd travel around to meet guests, fitting in meetings between work or even on tours... waiting for people to come to town. Now I've been able to further my reach of people to chat to, not only because technology has enabled this, but also largely because people are free and it's easier to schedule. (laughs) So if you've discovered the podcast during the pandemic, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around. And I hope that I and my guests that I've chatted to have kept you company during a lonely year. Here's to more chats in the coming year, hopefully a balanced hybrid of online and in-person conversations. My guests this episode are Slovenian cellists Urška Horvat and Helena Schwiegel. Together, they perform as a cello duo called Duo Furioso. I had the pleasure of hearing them play in July 2020 as part of the Europic Music Online Festival, for which I was presenting and conducting the Q&A sessions. That was an awesome festival that ran throughout the summer of 2020, set up by Oshka's partner Thibaut Blanchard-Dubois. The idea was a series of live-streamed, ticketed concerts that were broadcast at a set time and date with no replay to try and capture the spontaneity and energy of a live performance. I remember at their concert doing the Q&A, which was limited to only about five minutes. I enjoyed chatting to them so much, I wish that the Q&A could have been a bit longer so we could keep talking. So I decided to invite them onto the podcast to have a chat, and I'm very glad I did. One of the main takeaways from our conversation was the importance of keeping in touch with your friends and colleagues during the pandemic, as you can influence each other's energy in doing so. And usually, you feel so much better after chatting to friends. So have a listen to my conversation with Oshka and Helena. Oshka and Helena, welcome to the podcast, collectively known as Duo Furioso. So we're here to talk about you guys playing together as your cello ensemble. Uh, but first of all, obviously, we're here in this current climate of the pandemic, which has been going for a year now. Can't quite believe it. But first of all, you know, what have you guys been up to this week? Oshka, I know that you do a bit of teaching. Have you have you started back up at school?
1: Uh, no, not yet, as my school is still, kind of everything is still going on online at the moment, but hopefully at the end of April, so at the beginning of summer term, we'll be able yeah. to come back to, yeah, live teaching. I miss it actually <laughs> <laughs> a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it gives you lots of time to get used to the constant testing that you'll probably have to do. Yes, exactly exactly that (laughs) how about you Helena what have you been up to this week
2: planning a lot I'm going to school next week uh, in person so this week was still much online Um, but yeah as a duo we are preparing for a series of zoom concerts for different uh, organizations one of which is live music now and we have another zoom concert for black heat conservatoire uh, in few weeks. So just preparing for that, lots of planning with Urshka and yeah, lots of emailing.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say probably lots of emailing, isn't it? Because yeah. I think yeah. now that we're having to do so much more administration to maintain our careers, we've all become professional email senders and receivers, haven't we?
2: Yes, and I also think that every step is so well documented now. As before, we could just, you know, sort of not wing it, but, you know, f- go with the flow in a way sometimes. Yeah. Uh, now we have to really specify and put everything down. And it's, yeah. it's good as well.
0: Yeah, it's taught us some very much needed organizational skills. Yeah. Yes. So I'll just establish how I know both of you. This is the first time I've done a podcast chat. Where we're all cellists in the room, three cellists. Amazing. So we're making history right now, which is super exciting. But, Urshka, I've done some freelance work with you before, and I got to hear both of you play together as a duo last year in the summer in the Europic Music Online Festival run by Oshka's partner, (laughs) Thibaut.
1: Also a cellist. (laughs) Also a cellist. There's four cellists in the room.
0: It was there I got to see you guys play as a duo, and not only was it such a joy to witness live music in the summer where we were completely deprived, it was also just a really wonderful opportunity to listen to two cellos play repertoire that perhaps not many people know that much about. So I was wondering if one of you guys could start off telling us about your musical journey in this sense. I mean, you're both from Slovenia. Both of you studied in Belgium and studied also in London. So what made you decide to set up your ensemble as a cello duo?
1: So, yeah, uh, we formed the duo actually uh, while during our master studies in the small town of Mons in Belgium. That was in 2013 and we were both studying in the same class, with David Cohen, who actually gave the initiative and brought us together by initially inviting us to play at his festival, Les Sons Intensives in Belgium. However, unfortunately, I couldn't take part in that concert, uh, as I had another commitment in the same period. But nevertheless, we still decided to have a go to kind of explore the formation of the two cellos and see how we also connect. And I think our first rehearsal went really well. We really enjoyed it. And we had that right connection, which you need in chamber music. And yeah, the duo was formed, so yeah, in Belgium, actually.
0: I'd be surprised if you said now, yeah, it actually didn't go very well, and <laughs> here we are eight years later. Exactly. playing. But it's interesting that you talk about, you know, having the right connection, and what I've, maybe in my experience of, of certain other chamber groups, different instrumentations, you have various roles in a chamber group. So what sort of roles do you take on when you both play Play the same instrument, and you have kind of the equal sort of um, responsibilities. How do you divide in that way?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. I think we divide it on few different aspects. Uh, so it depends on the repertoire. So if you go to a baroque or uh, classicism, the division the there is quite obvious. So one is playing the melody, and the other one is playing like basso continuo style of, of accompaniment, uh, while as in romantic. Era or then after with with pop or Cello Duo, like the roles are much more even, equal yeah. equal. yeah, so, and then in 21st century music, uh, new compositions, it's even as well. So we basically go like play through the piece and see what would be best suited for either one of us. And then we basically decide.
0: Yeah.
1: And also I think, as playing though we are two players and two cellos but many times actually we have to take this role of being also a string quartet or string trio sometimes but lots of times would be also string quartet, so it is important to understand also the role of that so sometimes being first violin second violin viola cello and play around that so yeah this exchanging the roles all the time it's really essential though it's two cellos but sometimes yeah we are four people
2: yeah
0: because <laughs> like... I've done a little bit of cello duet playing um, myself but you really have to extend yourself as a cellist don't you you know yeah. you, you can't just get comfortable and and the bottom register. Exactly. Which is lovely. But often you find yourself, you know, way up playing in the violin register. What's been like the most challenging piece that either one of you have, has played before? I think uh,
2: it's going to be the first one uh, we started with, and that was Pauper Duo. <laughs> I don't know why we started with that. but you know. We were brave. Yeah, very brave. <laughs> We've been so challenging, and I still remember, because we played it for like, our uh, exam, chamber music exam in Belgium. And before we went on stage and the live audience was allowed to go in and listen to it, um, there was one older lady who came up to us and said i'm really looking to the last movement which if if you know very well it's full of octaves yeah. in the, in the first cello is the whole melody is in octaves for two pages and yeah it's it's really hard but i guess you know while you're studying you're tr- you're trying to expand your technique and challenge yourself to the limit or is there a limit to it you know this has always been something that we uh, individually were pushed while studying and then in a duo it sort of
0: made sense <laughs> <laughs> i love how you, you started with the popper duo because that's yeah. <laughs> sort of notorious isn't it like i, I feel like everyone who's, who's a cellist who's got a cellist friend might bring it at a party or something And, you know, you've had a couple glasses of wine. Oh, let's play through this. And then, oh, no, let's put this away. Let's do some barrier or something instead. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it
2: is a really great piece to start off with in terms of musicianship of it. And the way, because it was written by a cellist, it is easy in a sense, but not so easy in playing together. Uh, Often with two cellos, you know, how the intonation, what do we base the intonation on? and the balance these are conversations we're having constantly even now eight years on you know and even when we revisit popper now it's still the same problems we deal with Mm
0: -hmm. yeah well I imagine it's so dense that eight years down the line you're slightly more informed from how you first approached it that you're always finding new things and then you know the environment is always changing but I really, really love that piece. I think it's great, and you guys played it last summer. Is that right?
1: Yes, we did, but only a selection of the movements. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you,
0: I don't, I don't recall seeing the scary last movement. Yes. No,
1: <laughs> no. As we expanded the repertoire, as we have more pieces, we kind of just go with what we really like and enjoy to play. So, yeah. of course, sometimes we would actually play the whole thing but sometimes we just take the our favorite movements and
0: then it becomes enjoyable
1: exactly (laughs) and
0: it's nice to play things that you enjoy and not stress yourself out (laughs) i think of that i've only played the gavotte and the schizo yeah Yeah, those
2: are very beautiful movements
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah and there's just something about the the two cellos you know the rich harmonies and well both players playing double stops it It does sound like, as you are saying before, Oshka, like it's four people, but just two of you.
1: Yeah, and this piece is actually a tribute to that, (laughs) of two cellos playing as a string quartet. It's definitely the one. So, yeah, starting (laughs) off with a piece like this from the beginning (laughs) definitely needs some courage. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, because you guys have been playing for eight years now, as you've mentioned, what are some of your favorite pieces that you've played together?
1: So, definitely, uh, that would be Sonata for Two Cellos by French composer Jean-Baptiste Barrière, which was actually also one of the first pieces we learned, rehearsed, and then also performed. And now I think we played it at almost every concert As we love it so much, it gives us really lots of freedom and spontaneity on the stage. So kind of now in the rehearsals, we don't try to rehearse it too much, but we just Mm -hmm. go on stage with it and we enjoy it. And even sometimes if we only change one or two bars, it still gives us this excitement about it. It's really incredible piece and it's... um, This collaboration between us, the dialogues between the two cellos. Beautiful second movement. And then the third movement is just full of energy and virtuosic. I love that one. The
0: second movement, as you mentioned, is so beautiful because it's this recitative in the first cello and then the continuum part played by the support of the second cello. Yeah, I really like what you said about that because that piece I know know quite well. Um, I actually played it with my husband who... Arranged it for cello and double bass, wow. <laughs> <Not> sure <laughs> I'm not sure what you guys think of that, but no, it's nice, it works, and so we've played it a few times, but I know what you mean. There's this kind of feeling of when you know a piece so well, you don't want to spoil it by over rehearsing it, and I imagine that you guys, after playing together for eight years, can just sort of sit back and trust each other to you know play off each other and you know catch each other
1: exactly, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, what other pieces? So we've got Jean-Baptiste Barrier, which is quite early, and then we've got Popper. And also, one of the pieces that I heard you play at the Europe Music Festival last summer was a piece that was specially written for you, so a modern composition. So how do you go about finding commissions and finding new works to play?
2: Each of the new pieces that was written for us has its own story I think the one that you heard was Matija Krečić, Bob's Your Uncle.
0: Yeah, great title.
2: (laughs) Yeah, fantastic title. Also fantastic composer. Um, It was actually at the time I had a concert in Slovenia where I played his sonata for cello and piano. And I worked with him, uh, you know, over a few rehearsals and I really really liked working with him. And then our duo got uh, a concert, which was one year later, and we thought, okay, so why not, you know, get more repertoire in so we don't play the same pieces over and over again.
0: So we don't have to play the last movement of the popper. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so I asked Mattia if he would be willing uh, to write something for us, and and he did. It's a great piece, actually, the recording should be coming out uh, very soon. We recorded it last August in Slovenia with him. Okay. So, yeah, watch out for that on our YouTube channel. It's it's great piece. It's sort of, yeah. it's so energetic and we love playing it. it. It has its challenges as well. It's not the easiest one, but yeah, we love it.
0: I do remember watching you guys play it and just thinking like, wow, that looks really difficult. <laughs> and I think I'd even glanced the music and thought, oh, wow, that looks really complicated. But then actually I remember speaking to you, Ershka afterwards, and you said, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that raises quite an interesting point. When you get to work with a composer who knows what they're doing, so he's a string player, and you know, I don't know how many um, new pieces that you've approached – over the last eight years but you really find the difference between a composer who can write well for a cellist and those who can't.
1: Yes I mean the piece seems difficult at first glance but it is very comfortable and very cellistically written even though of course there are extended techniques and going up high in the positions but it's comfortable I find it comfortable i don't know about you helena
2: yeah same i think as you davina i had the same reaction when i saw the music i i said okay so this is not gonna be so easy Uh, but then when i started reading it and just working it out and it becomes really comfortable very quickly and it's important to say as well that our audience really likes that piece we always get a great reaction after it. It doesn't matter where we play it, whether it's young audience or older audience or classically trained, not
0: classically, I mean, everywhere.
1: Yeah, even children. Yeah. 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 Even children.
0: Well, it's very exciting. I mean, I I think I remember my reaction being like, wow, kind of thing, aside from the whole like, that looks really hard, but like the energy that you put into it. And I think that really comes across to the audience. Yeah. Was that piece written for you during the pandemic or beforehand?
2: No, it was beforehand. So okay. I think we got it in December 2018. Okay. So
0: you've been playing it for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because, um, because obviously I saw you guys play in the middle of the pandemic last year. How did you find it rehearsing for this concert and the other few concerts that you did during the summer with these various stages of lockdown and restrictions.
2: I must say that that concert for Europe Festival, it was so special for us, not only because people organized it, but also being in that difficult position and then rehearsing together. And then, oh my goodness, it's going to be, you know, over the camera, it's going to be live streamed. And we didn't know whether to bow after each piece or not, or, you know, how to behave on stage, because it's completely different uh, dynamic. I think once we came over that, it was all very natural. But I remember being very nervous playing Mm -hmm. to a camera uh, at the start. And I think just practicing for it, there was lots of pressure that we put on ourselves, meaning, like, it needs to be perfect because it's live streamed, because Mm -hmm. I think camera is in my mind uh, relates to you know recordings and Mm. perfection so we wanted to achieve that yeah it was quite hard but at the end we said okay we have to go on enjoy it
0: play the music and it was great it's tricky though isn't it because we think about as you mentioned recording and cameras being related to perfection and everything but then you know how do you still create that feeling of spontaneity and you know risk taking when you're doing it live but in front of a camera it's an interesting dynamic to strike i think
2: it is i think me and urshka are both huge risk takers (laughs) but um when we practice we try to eliminate the risk in terms of that it's secure you know what we're doing that it's very secure and even though when we take risks you know they pay off yeah if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So you're not going to do something like throw yourself off the cliff uh, and and Oshka's not going to be able to catch you kind of thing. You're not <laughs> going to do anything too <laughs> reckless. Not literally, obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's just uh, regarding this balance, how to find a balance on stage when suddenly there is no audience and you are just performing in front of the camera. So, of course, beforehand, because it was also the first time we did something like that, it was the first opportunity, just three months uh, after the first closure. I mean, just the, the beginning of the lockdown, first lockdown. Beforehand, of course, there was this nervousness and stress. Oh my, I, we have to perform now in front of this camera. But what I found just after maybe a first few minutes being there, we kind of connected with each other. So this connection and also playing to each other and then also kind of taking this camera as an audience because we still knew that behind this camera there are people from different parts of the world listening to us, even our yeah. family and friends that usually are not able to come to our concerts when if we play in London or elsewhere. So I think this broaden kind of... The spontaneity and a nice feeling that it's actually a live concert and then you kind of forget I mean at least me I forgot in that moment that there is a camera just a camera
0: I feel like once you're sitting down and you're doing the thing it is normal it's what you've trained to do and you're prepared for it but it is just a weird foreign feeling that we don't really prepare ourselves I guess in college for playing in front of you know four cameras or something we're just not used to it. But I think that's a really important strategy that you mentioned is just to remember that there are people on the other side watching. And especially if they are family members watching from a different country, that's really, really special. So how did you guys go about rehearsing during that lockdown when it was um, mixing of households or did you rehearse outside or what did you do? (laughs) I
1: think at that time it was actually allowed to meet for work. So it was already about the end of June, beginning of July, where we were allowed to meet. Mm. And of course, though our workplace is also our home, but we still take it (laughs) as work. So yeah, we met at Helena's place and mine as well. And we just did normal rehearsing as usual. Anyway, Mm. I think after all those years of playing together, even though there is a bigger gap because we haven't seen each other that time for three months, it works. You find back the connection, and and also during these three months we talked with each other every week, every day. We encouraged each other because, of course, there were ups and downs. <laughs> and,
0: oh, yeah, you
1: know. So with that, we also kind of motivated each other. Though we didn't, we couldn't rehearse or play together, but. Yeah, we we kept in touch.
0: It makes it more special when you do get the opportunity to be in the same room together because you want to make the most of it. And I'm sure you had very productive rehearsals before the pandemic, but I think when rehearsal time is so rare now, it becomes more sacred. Yes. How often would you guys rehearse before the pandemic?
2: That really depends on the engagements we have to do. So if it's like... Uh, full concerts like two halves 45 minutes music each we would definitely meet probably a month before or a month and a half before the concert first rehearsal and then build it up from there it depends because we both have our own freelance schedule uh, so we have to go around that uh, quite a bit but then we have other engagements like as i mentioned work for live music now that we do and you know we meet in those uh circumstances as well we constantly keep in touch basically and yeah. always trying to plan okay what's our next goal where are we going as a group mm. uh, what to do we were very lucky just on the first of march last year we had those two recordings that you can see now on youtube so we were working on that quite a bit during the first months of pandemic So you were prepared, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, unknowingly prepared.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, the same. I mean, because I was podcasting a good year or so before the pandemic. So I had all the things like microphones that everyone was, you know, flailing about, wondering which one to get in March last year. Turns out I already had those. (laughs) But yeah, I just find it interesting because, you know, in the old life, finding time to rehearse with your ensemble could be such a challenge to find time during our old schedules but I suppose now you have your goals to look forward to and exciting things coming up
2: and also because it's only two uh, it's only me and Urshka, so you know we can work (laughs) around two schedules quite easily
0: yeah you're quite lucky because my husband's in a sextet so (laughs) that's challenging yeah and they live all around the country it's yeah I don't know how they do it but (laughs) they make it work (laughs) What piece of advice would you give to ensembles during the pandemic to keep motivated?
1: So definitely expanding and finding new repertoire, even though perhaps you cannot meet, you can still kind of discuss it and maybe also plan new project if it is possible. Of course, expanding the portfolio. And I think also one really important thing is as I said already before, staying in touch and talking to each other and supporting, encouraging because, yeah, one day when it's a little bit down, feels a little bit down. So it's good to have a chat. Yeah, I completely understand how you feel, but, you know, today I feel positive. So, you know, you give yeah. the, the other person this um, energy and I think that's the best, uh, the moment. Yes, we are still quite restricted and limited.
0: Yes, for sure. Like we were talking about before we started recording, just January, we we mentioned that January was just the worst month of the pandemic. But I think it's nice to know that, you know, everyone felt that way. It wasn't just you. Helena, what piece of advice would you give to ensembles? I know Oshka covered quite a bit there, but (laughs) is there a piece of advice that you would offer to ensembles to keep motivated during this time?
2: Yeah, so I agree with everything Urszka said. I
0: think one more thing that
2: I would say is making yourself stronger in terms of playing or just expanding yourself, making sure that you as an individual are, you know, in the best shape possible, then when after all of this is going to go away and uh, when we are able to meet, then we are both very strong. Uh, and also, I would say, you know, try not to do too much and allow yourself also time. I mean, we don't work for the duo every day. Yeah. And I think that goes without saying. But it's also allowing this time to reflect.
0: Yeah, as Urske said, plan. And, yeah, keep in touch. Yeah, that's the most important one, isn't it? Keeping in touch. And and you always feel better after a chat with a friend, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I think that's really important, like keeping in shape, keeping strong, keeping up your um, ability on your instrument is really important, but then also just finding that balance between practicing and and also taking a break, as you say, because, well, I find it quite difficult to practice my cello, especially if I don't have something to work towards, but then I guess that ties in with what you were saying. If you have a goal, then you have something that you want to work towards, and it's... More inspiring that way <laughs>
2: yeah definitely and often like i also think that if there is long period of time when we haven't seen each other or played together then we come in with fresh ideas and with barrier or popper or, uh, or the standard repertoire that we do or something like offenbach duos mm. is something that the approach we change almost for every concert You know, here is going to be forte, then it's going to be piano, and here is this character, that character. And then after a long break that we haven't played that program, when we come back to it, we basically change everything again. (laughs) Uh, So that keeps us going as well. And it's nice. It keeps the music fresh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because then that way you're not playing it exactly the same every single time.
2: Yeah and saying like we've been playing together for 8 years it doesn't mean we play the same for 8 yeah. years even though it's very similar repertoire
0: The last movement of your popper um, of your popper your is now 8 years older sorry I keep, I keep going back to that just, just...
1: you would really like us to make play this last moment for you Dominga
0: <laughs> There's my birthday coming up in a month I expect a full video oh, okay. thank you very much.
1: you gave us motivation
0: yeah yeah well there you go there's, there's a goal Yes. but I'll tell yeah. you what one piece that I haven't done is the popper requiem Oh, nice! That's the three cellos and piano, I think. Yes, yeah,
2: very beautiful. And I've I've played it also in arrangement for six cellos or eight cellos. Like
0: that. <laughs> Does that just split up all the double stops so that everyone gets their own line?
2: <laughs> yeah, there is no piano. Anymore.
0: Oh, oh, okay, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yep, love
0: a bit of popper. As you may or may not know, my podcast, I have a section called The Wildcard Question Round,
1: Mm.
0: where you get the chance to choose what I ask you next based on three topics that I present you. So who would like to go first, Helena or Oshka? I can go. Okay, Helena's (laughs) going to go first. So these are your choices. So first of all, we have what's in your case, favorite concerts, and because this is me, food.
2: Oh, this is so hard.
0: Everyone says this, I know. But it is really hard. Let's go with food. Oh, excellent. Always it. a good choice. <laughs> I mean, it is it is always a good choice. You can't go wrong, you know. Everyone loves talking about food. <laughs> yes. Everyone has to eat. So my question to you is, what did you last eat and what will you eat next? Okay, so
2: I had a very small uh, breakfast this morning, so I'm going to talk what I ate yesterday for dinner because it was quite special, if that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was celebrating birthday with a friend and we had a special Japanese sushi. There is a restaurant in Wimbledon called Takahashi, Mm -hmm. but apparently it's this very authentic sushi that melts in your mouth and it's amazing.
0: That sounds great. Sushi is one thing that you just can't really get during the lockdown because unless you're very highly trained, you can't quite make it yourself at home. It's not really the same. One doesn't have access to fresh fish necessarily. So I can imagine like going out to have sushi. What was it? No, 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 it was, it was
2: takeaway, obviously, no, yeah.
0: Mm. But even so, you know, professionally prepared sushi must have been such a treat, right? Yes, and it had all this uh, knife work that I was really admiring.
2: Um, it was amazing,
0: before you ate it yeah yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) this is really pretty but i'm gonna eat this now because it looks too good
2: (laughs) yeah and also i I don't know how experienced you are on soy sauce but soy sauce is something it takes long many many years to to Mm. produce it was just amazing they make their own
0: they make their own soy sauce
2: i think so or they have like a provider from japan that you know oh, makes their own and that's
0: extreme <laughs> it's something yeah it's something really special you know what i can see that catching on in the next few years you know how craft breweries for like beer has really taken off you know micro breweries and like you know small company gins i yeah. reckon like soy sauce will probably be like the next <laughs> hipster thing yeah <laughs> i hope so like it, it does make difference it does make difference yeah <laughs> And so what's the next thing you're going to eat? More sushi? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I think it's going to be
2: something cooked for this evening. Um, Probably nice potatoes just and some nice chicken in creamy mushroom blue cheese sauce. Oh. Something like that. (laughs) That sounds really
0: good. Well, you can't go wrong with potatoes for sure. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Well, thank you for your answer to... The food question. I love when people pick the food question. So, Oshka, it's your turn to choose. And I will remind you of the topics one more time. What's in your case? Favorite concerts and food.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about what's in, what is in your case.
0: Brilliant, because you know what? I've asked that to quite a few people, but it's never been chosen. So okay. Thank you for choosing <laughs> so, the question is, besides your cello and your bow, What's in your case? Every cello case has got you know that little mystery pocket or like that space on the back of the cello case. What's in your case?
1: I, I actually, I don't have either pocket, either uh, uh-uh. this backpack <laughs> on my case. But what I have, uh, it's a very nice humidifier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can appreciate that. We can all appreciate that in <laughs> <Yeah>. this room.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's very essential, definitely, to keep the cello in a good condition.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So tell me about your very nice humidifier. Like what does it look like, first of all?
1: <laughs> Basically, it's a plastic pocket that you stick it on the in the inside of the of the case. And there is kind of like a smaller part which you put for five minutes in the water and then you uh, put it back in this plastic thingy <laughs> and you close and that's it and then you also have how is it called hydrometer which kind of tells you percentage of uh, humidity in the case and the temperature as well since I have it it's, I'm really happy and I see the difference actually yeah, it's good. I don't
0: have an external humidifier like that, but I've got one of those ones that you put in the sound hole.
1: I use the snake kind of.
0: Yeah, the snake, <laughs> the green thingy, which they yes. look totally gross when you take them out. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? Because both of you play cellos by the same maker. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, from, I'm going to say this because I learned to say it last summer, um, <laughs> by Atkinson and Natsagannian. Um, Do you find that your cellos, do they react in the same way or are they different? You know, obviously, Oshka, you need to humidify your cello. (laughs) Helena, is yours the same? Actually, um, the one that I'm playing now on
2: is made by Robin, but uh, it's currently unknown to me. I'm getting one, my cello, in next month, I think. So he's making it now. So I can say... Not that they react in the same way because they have their own personalities, mm. but they blend in together very well. It's like the same, they're born in the same area from the same kind of people, I guess. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's like they're the same family. It's like exactly. two, two yeah. siblings. They've got their own different personalities and maybe some things that they would do differently from each other. Yeah. And
2: also because they're quite new instruments. So they're developing themselves as well, Mm. which is quite nice to be a part of and see. It's exciting.
0: Yeah, I really like that, actually. And I think I find that quite a fascinating topic, developing your sound with an instrument, because my cello is a modern cello. So I've got a 2005 German instrument. So it's quite young still, but I've had it since 2006 and so that's been quite a vast majority of my education and my playing career so it's just quite interesting that like the cello sound has developed as I have developed as a player Exactly. I just think that's quite cool <laughs> yes
2: yes is. and uh, how are you happy with it like its development and the production of sound
0: it's kind of been up and down I think and then also It's tricky to say because I would say that my priorities seem to change every few years, you know, depending on what what sort of playing that you're into. But generally, very happy with it at the moment. Not that I'm doing that much playing, but for what I do do, it's nice to play. I just start to feel quite insecure sometimes when I listen to, for example, Shaku playing on Radio 3, his amazing instrument. And when I hear something like that, I realize ah, my cello is not like that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but otherwise it's fine. Yeah. Oshka and Helena, thank you so much for your answers to the wildcard question round. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been really nice to talk to two cellists. And as we've established, it's nice just to talk to friends. So thank you so much for just, chatting to me this afternoon
1: yeah thank you thank you Davina for inviting us I think we had some fun
0: (laughs) so before you go where can people find out more about you a youtube channel has been mentioned and do you want to tell us a little bit more about your upcoming concerts as well
2: our social media we are on facebook and instagram so on facebook is at cello duo free also, and then instagram is duo lower score Furioso. And then on YouTube we're just as do of cello do for Furioso. We don't post a lot, I must say. We're not great at yeah. doing social media posts. <laughs> uh but we try our best.
0: <laughs> it takes a lot of time. I mean I I've said this before, but social media is very time consuming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: it's and it's also I think it's something that we had to learn. Uh it's it doesn't come as naturally as
0: Playing the cello, let's put it this way. Yeah, oh, that's a nice, you know, testament to your love of cello playing. (laughs) And uh, you mentioned some Zoom concerts. When are they happening?
1: So those Zoom concerts are actually through live music now. So basically we'll be playing for care homes and we will be going to schools uh, where children with disabilities, however we we have in spring, just a day after our Prime Minister promised us we will be able to go back to live performances, <laughs> we penciled down 22nd of May for the first concert which will be live, hopefully fingers crossed, then there are some possibilities in July and one on the 25th September, so of course everything is kind of, With a pencil.
0: Uh, Lightly penciled. Yes, lightly
1: penciled (laughs) with lots of uh, fingers crossing around it.
0: (laughs) All the fingers, all the toes and very lightly penciled. I think that would sum up 2021. Exactly.
1: But yes, when this will be all confirmed, more details will be definitely on our Instagram and Facebook. We will be also developing our website. You will find us there as well. And yes, fingers crossed that concerts are coming. But it's good at least to have something. uh, It feels good after this year.
0: For sure. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, thank you so much, (laughs) Doina. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Oershka and Helena. It seems inevitable, really, that the subject of Popper will come up amongst cellists, often through gritted teeth. A bit of a love-hate relationship. On one hand, David Popper thoroughly extended the possibilities of the cello, illustrating to many composers of the time the cello's virtuosic capabilities. On the other hand, David Popper thoroughly extended the possibilities of the cello, illustrating to many composers of the time the cello's virtuosic capabilities... David Popper was a bohemian cellist who lived in the 19th century until just before World War I. He was responsible for many virtuosic cello pieces, such as the aforementioned Suite for Two Cellos, Requiem for Three Cellos and Piano, the giddyingly stratospheric Alphantans, the arachnid-suggesting Tarantella, as well as the opus faced by pretty much every college level and above cellist, the high school of cello playing. 40 etudes showcasing various techniques ranging from playable to downright frustrating. Every once in a while, I get inspired to do a thing I call popper study roulette, where you put the book on your stand, flick to a random study and work your way through that one. A lot of them are fine, pleasant even. But sooner or later, you'll come across some horrific ones that make you realise I could be doing something else more fun that would retain the skin of my thumbs. I do jest somewhat, of course. Yes, we must suffer through these building blocks of technique, which can be unpleasant at times and hard work. But we've also got to be grateful to Popper for providing us cellists with more than enough repertoire to keep busy. It's also incredibly satisfying to see the results of your hard technical work and using that facility in our music making. We're so lucky that we have so much of our own repertoire that's written idiomatically for our instrument and that we don't have to steal other people's repertoire. Like bass players. That's it for today. Special thanks to Ros Nagy for my logo and Daniel Elms for my jingle. Great big cello size thanks to Ushka and Helena for being my guests this episode. And as always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can now donate and buy me a coffee on my coffee page, link in the show notes. Get in touch at asitcomespodcast at gmail.com or on the website asitcomes.com. We will also find all previous episodes and transcripts of the podcast. You can also get in touch with me via Instagram and Facebook, where I highly recommend you give me a follow and a like at asitcomespod. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, Thank you to those who've already done so and thanks for continuing to spread the word. Chat to you soon and take good care. Bye.